0: Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam
1: Radio, the podcast for creatives.
0: Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now.
1: Episode 99 starts now. What's going on, everybody? This is Lobo Boys, the mayor for life of New Amsterdam, and this is New Amsterdam Radio. And well... I always say I have a big show, a great show for you, but this one's no different. I got to sit down recently with Taiwanese Canadian comedian Ed Hill, who just released his comedy album, Candy and Smiley. But before we get into that conversation, just want to say thank you so much for checking out this episode and all the other episodes, new Am Sam Radio Canon. Make sure you tell a friend about the show. Hit that share button wherever you are. And if you're on that iTunes or well, it was formerly called iTunes, Apple Podcast, five stars and like and comment, and do all that cool stuff. New Amsterdam Radio, part of the New Amsterdam Network, is available at newamsterdam.com. That's KNAWAMsterdam.com. Amsterdam.com. And you can learn more about the show and all the other shows in that portfolio by hitting us up on social at New Amsterdam on Instagram and at new underscore Amsterdam on Twitter. Now that's all out the way. How are you doing? Let me know the products you're working on. Let me know how you are creating and crafting things. You can leave a voicemail on this very here podcast, or you can check us out on social media or just hit up the website. Let me know. I want to know what you're working on. I want to build this community as, to be as big and as beautiful as possible. But enough of me rambling. It's now time for my talk with Ed Hill. Welcome back to New Am Sam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Of course, it's me, little boys, the mayor, hanging up in the mayor's office because I've been reelected, apparently. But, as always, I am not alone. I'm being joined by someone that dropped the hottest mixtape or comedy special of the last 12 months. It's called Canyon Smiley. Please welcome Ed Hill. How are you doing, sir?
0: Thank you for having me. It's nice to see you.
1: Yeah. You know what? It's cool and kind of surreal seeing like you on the TV screen, but then now you're on this screen and it feels like a more real screen, even though it's all screens.
0: <laughs> Less makeup in this screen. I tell oh you. yeah. yeah, Do I hear that?
1: Yeah, I was I, I was wondering about that. When you did your, your comedy special, Candy and Smiling, did you get the makeup treatment? Did you get the whole celebrity treatment? Yeah.
0: I had to. So the makeup artist was not very happy with me because <laughs> I had to go in for test makeup about about like a month before the shoot, so to, you know to get the skin tone and stuff like that, because was you know the, the lighting of the special is very specific lighting. Yeah, and then uh, and I went back, and then she's like, "What happened to you?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" So oh. I went fishing for like four weeks. Oh, and okay. Came back, and she's like, "You're like a different ethnicity right now. Like yeah. I don't even know. Like I got to redo the whole thing." The came whole back, Aquaman.
1: <laughs> Dang. Well, so Kevin Smiley, let's talk about that off the top because I saw it this week. And when when we start doing the comedy craft, a lot of our we talk about the well. There was time we talked about the HBO special. Now it's the Netflix special, right? I want to grind and grind and grind and get the Netflix special. Don't have to go into specifics, but another day you signed an agreement to have it. But then 2020 happened. Um, you pressed on. Kay's mind is hilarious. But walk me through that point. The point when you signed to the point where it was like, we don't have to get in the giant theater. <laughs> like, what was going through your mind during that process?
0: It was like a whole roller coaster. So when when I signed, um, you know, the the producers producers wanted to, hey, let's do it in three months. I'm like, wait, can I have a bit of time? Can I at least have a six-month? Lead up, you know, I got all these tour dates. You know, I don't want to cancel them. First of all, and you know, it's good to run through the hour in these six hours. Um, six, six months I got. Yeah. So, um, you know, so then you know everything's fine. You know, we're we're moving towards the date. And it's in March, and you know, everything's on full steam, and everyone's excited for it. And Christmas goes goes by, and then this COVID thing that was all the way on the other side of the world. Yeah. Uh, here.
1: Was the March the six month mark or the three month mark? Did he give it the six mean, months?
0: Uh, I would say probably at the four month mark. Okay. Now, now it's hitting North America, right? Yeah. So we all got back together. We're like, okay, are we doing this or are we going to, you know, postpone it? Like, what are we doing? And as you know, as a team, the executive production and all stuff, um, we decided to push through. We're like, hey, let's uh, let's catch the wave. That's <laughs> that's a yeah. now which is the worst. Awesome now. It's like, hey, let's just go through before it hit gets too bad, right? Right. So that's what we decided. So the pub, you know, the publicists continue to, to push and all that stuff, and you know, then we got to know from the promotion team. They're like, hey, um, people want to come, but they also don't want to come, and that I think that was the first inkling. I was like, oh no, that's not good. Yeah. Because, you know, yes or no is great, but uh, maybe that means there's fear. Right? When there's ambivalence, people are scared. There's a cultural um, aspect of fear that's seeping through the audience. So I'm like, even if they show up, they're going to be uncomfortable right. so because they're like the guy next to me might kill me. Right. Right. So at that point, we're like, do we go back to the drawing board? What do we do? And then two weeks before, uh, we're about to hop in there because um, it wasn't the venue you seen in the special is not where the venue is supposed to be. It's supposed to be at this, you know, theater um, that we scheduled at University of British Columbia, which is this really nice theater with tier levels to it. And then uh, the health board just came out and said, Hey, everything is shut down, all the campuses are done, you know, shelter at home. So they made a the decision for us, which is sort of a blessing in disguise. But then that, you know, the roller coaster was like, now we're at the bottom. Now what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. So the first uh, first idea was, hey, let's push it October 10th. You know, give it seven months buffer. Maybe things will get back to normal. We hop back, back in the same theater. Um, and the theater was reunderstanding. understanding They're like, yeah, that's fine. There's no uh, no penalty, none of that. Just, you know, we'll figure out a new day. We'll change all the promo material for you for free. Um, and May rolls around. And then we go on another call. We're like, hey, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, this thing is not going away. Like, I think we're in this for a while. So, and then now, I mean, now the response is back to me, right? Like, okay, Ed, what do you want to do? You know, do you want to just, you know, wait till the whole thing's over and release something when things go back to normal? And, you know, at that time, I was like, you know, I mean, it's 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 tough, right? You tour for, for so extensively to get this stuff ready to go. And a big piece of it was also, you know, this was the first time my parents going to come to a show. They never came to a show before. Oh, really? Wow. And I got a that. little tribute, you know, as a thank you, as a son immigrant, you know, like, hey, thank you for everything you've done. Here's something, you know, this is our story, and I'm going to present it to you. And I was like, I can't just let it fade, right? Yeah. So and I was like, hey, let's – why don't we do it this way? So I was watching um, – I think I was watching some – you know those those videos on youtube and you know they, sometimes they get like you know family members in the circle and they talk about embarrassing things right yeah okay like, that's kind of cool, and I, was like, <laughs> that's, that's cool. Yeah, I was like so i got that i got the you know the photography team together i'm like is it possible to do it this way they're like yeah sure we can do it this way we can set up whatever you want but he's like can you do it this way because fair who are you hoping to have in the room? I'm like, well, we can only have up to 10 people. So, I mean, that's the restriction. Um, we got to get people who are close to me. So, you know, my family members, stuff like that, Who who's within my bubble, because we can't have random people showing up. And that was it. And then, yeah. uh, you know, it, it was definitely not easy, um, you know, to do it, because these are all people who know me. They know these stories. They know the... The ins and the outs, and, and it's interesting because some of them know as some aspects of the stories, some of them know other aspects of the stories. Yeah. So you know, it was it was, it was interesting to do, but it was tough to do also.
1: Uh, up until that point, how many years in comedy have you had to your um, your tally? I eleven. So again, again, someone who's who's going to do that special, I'm a theater person too, the the King's Theater in Brooklyn, the hometown one, or the Beacon Theater in New York, and having that change must have been rough, but you pressed on. And I guess I'm asking you this now, as someone who's done Zoom shows, did it feel weird having your punchline just kill in the back of your head months ago, being like a, (laughs) in the back of the room now?
0: I mean, I, I also didn't prompt. Everybody who came as to what's gonna be like. So their their understanding was that they're here to watch me tell jokes. So their their mentality was they're here to have experience of this comedy comedy show. And we sit down, and then um, you know there's a bunch of prep work and you're getting people in the right distance and stuff like that. And then when we started, you can just you can just feel like the air just kind of just condensed around that circle. Um, and the first time we yell cut is actually not because, you know, there's a material break or something like that. Um, so what you see in the special, the first 20 minutes, that's not the, the first take the first take. Um, we didn't use it because it was a giant fly. Yeah, And then the, when the director you cut, we're like, why? And he's like, Oh, there's a fly. We got to redo that whole 20. And then at that point, um, my wife is in the um. You know, he's a, she's in the back. You know, she's watching the She's crying. She's bawling her eyes out. Yeah. People in the circle are like, "Holy shit, this was not the vibe." World, right? Shit. Yeah. And the, the crew came to me one by one. They're like, "Oh my god, I was in goosebumps. Like that was so much, you know, emotionality. Um, that you're carrying through the whole thing. Right. And then." um you know, it's also interesting because what you see is, you know, we had that first 20 minute of exposure for everybody. And then we, we you know, we, we redid the, whole, you know, the first 20 and then we carried on. So people were kind of, you know, getting used to the vibe. So I think there was some easiness to it, you know, at that point, which is good. Um, So, you know, you don't get to see the first, you know, the first take we did where everyone was in it, but you also get to see, you know, the, the pros, you get to see that, you know, people are a little more loosened up. Um, they 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 used to that tension, um, and we're able to you know was create, it, create it.
1: Was it better for it? Did you did you want to release a fly cut? <laughs> was that first take on another level or?
0: Um, I didn't get a chance to see it. The uh, the director didn't show me. Um, He's I'm just mm-hmm. not gonna show you Ed, because you're gonna you know. You're gonna fix it on it. You're gonna be like, oh, you know, you want this, and try to get, try to take the shot that when the fly is not right in the middle. That that right,
1: right. That's like, yeah, I got you. Yeah. So he's
0: like, you know, it's good. And then I mean, the the I think from as the crew, they all agree that the second take was just as good. So, you know, yeah, is what is that's what we got. So you know, I'm happy. And uh, I mean, you you still do see the the tension a little bit when my brother shows up, my cousin shows up, um, because they are they are out of the room you know until it's their turn to be in the circle um Mm -hmm. partially because of safety protocols they can't be on set unless they are you know on and partially is i don't want them to you know because when when they come in that's when they start hearing the stories
1: Oh Yeah, understandable. Um, much like yourself, I am first generation, and in my case, first generation American with immigrant parents. Uh, you you have immigrant parents as well. You're from Canada, which is kind of weird but cool because it's like so similar but different enough to know it's a whole different culture there. Um, just listen to your stories about how you grew up. Is there such a thing as the Canadian dream when it comes to the people coming over and having expectations? And was it kind of like a little bit of a disconnect in when you were having your upbringing?
0: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, my parents wanted to initially go to San Francisco. That was their first um, destination. But I think at that point, immigration regulation was more difficult for United States, for sure. That's why we kind of, so I'm, I'm sure my dad just looked up the map and see, hey, what's on the same coast? <laughs> 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 I'm
1: not on a new coast
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Portland, no, Seattle, no. Okay, Vancouver, there we go. Yeah. If it not work out, would have been like, you know, North Pole right or something like that <laughs>
1: <laughs> i hear you yeah i feel like there's a, there's a little bit of that that juggle there you know growing up being products of both and being products of neither did that really impact your comedy as well or
0: yeah uh, you level? know yeah for for my parents i think for them coming here i mean they never said it but i think it's it's the idea of they wanted us to to pursue something that they weren't able to you know yeah. like my parents are very successful professionals you know they were my dad's a doctor uh, my mom was a real estate agent, and they gave it all up. I mean, they came here; they didn't work. Um, <clears throat> you know, my dad did some odd jobs here and there, but you know, he never practiced here in Canada. Um, I just gave it all up so my brother and I can can do things that we want to do and have that freedom. So I think the you know I think the you know the American dream has this more of a glamour and you know financial aspect to it. I think the Canadian dream is more of the idea of freedom—that you're, you know, you're free. You're free from the shackles of, yeah. you know, a world where there's so much competition, and now you can be who you want to be.
1: And when you decided to go to the comedy, was there? We I mean, noticed by a little bit of your, your, your material that there was some friction hesitation uh from your family going into it uh and it was it was kind of uh, telling you so that was the first time they'll see you live uh will be at your special which is crazy uh because it's almost like a lot of times with immigrant parents it's seen as like oh means you gotta sell it (laughs) like this is valid uh what was your experience like saying no comedy is the path that's what i'm traveling on i love you still but i'm doing this
0: well, my my parents and I never had a conversation about comedy. We had a conversation about music because I was a musician for a very long time. And uh, I, I still remember that talk, you know, we're, we're at the dinner table and, you know, I was a 17-year-old punk. My um, I mean, dad was giving me the facts. I mean, he's this is very factual stuff. He's not biased or, you know, he's just letting you know this is what happens. You know, you may make it, you may not make it. Um, you're not staying here forever, and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> wow. um, I just remember I didn't, I didn't listen to a single thing he said. Um, and then, you know, I kind of learned my own lessons, of course, you know, the music, obviously, you know, was more difficult than I thought. Um, then, you know, I went to comedy. And, you know, I, I definitely had more success in comedy than I did in music. And my parents never came out and said it, um, you know, but I think there was a sense of hey, he's, he's doing, he's making it happen. Yeah. Because, um, you know, there were, they were save news clippings and they were, you know, share videos with their friends and family, stuff like that. And, you know, my dad tried to pi- pirate you know, the special off Amazon for no reason at all. And <laughs> <laughs> I told That's... him I have a copy. But I think, I mean, I, I think that was just like a trophy thing. i right? look like, I'm pirating my own son's um, right. production. <laughs> off of you me. made it, bro. <laughs> yeah.
1: got <laughs> looks start- out the street
0: is mean, one thing that's really funny my dad does all the time um and i don't think i ever told anybody this on any uh, interviews yet um so i i was on this magazine called top 10 of asia um i think it's a it's like a it's a, a magazine that kind of focuses on the top 10 personality in asia every i think every quarter so i think it's both a airplane magazine and you know in-house type of thing so every quarter they will pick Ten people, one from every aspect of politics, entertainment, so on and so forth. So I was selected, you know, a few years ago from the entertainment aspect, and I was followed. So there were, so it's me, and then right before me is a president of Taiwan, Ooh. um, CEO of Alibaba or something like that, and just like these incredible, <laughs> <laughs> like Jackpot and people. Hill, y'all, <laughs> and then there's me, right? So my dad <laughs> took a screenshot of that list. Um, because he saw that he saw the article and everywhere we went, <laughs> everywhere we went to the restaurant, he'll you know, call the manager over, call the wait staff over. It's like, hey, look, that's my son. Who does he think he is? Oh. <laughs> As CEO?
1: This guy? <laughs> I took a turn, man. I took a weird left turn that I thought this story was on a come.
0: How so dare not, you, man. So he, I think he's proud, but he's not, he won't like give you. Like he's gotta bring down a notch. Like your self esteem can be too high because it's just not good for everybody.
1: Why do I feel like your dad is my dad? This is the most craziest thing. <laughs> it's like we're talking to a mirror, bro. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, how does that must feel? I mean, having people come to you with fan mail, fan art, people tagging you on, on Instagram or social media, saying, "Hey, look, there's someone that does what I want to do. You look like me. This must feel pretty cool." Or is it kind of like a lot to represent? Like, where's your balance when it comes to being on lists and being like revered in that way?
0: Um, well, I think, you know, the most rewarding part of doing comedy. a lot of people ask me like, hey, is it the is it the shows? Is it the, you know, the, you know, the production and stuff like that? I think the biggest reward for me is I go to somewhere, you know, where my face may not be a common face, which is a lot of places in North America. And you have somebody come up to you and they go, hey, um, I was mm-hmm. an exchange student once, you know, some other nation or somebody who's from my background come up and say, hey, I just moved here. You know, I feel the same way. Um, You know, thank you for telling the story. Or somebody who's been to um, you know somewhere else in the world, and they have that same experience. You know, they may not be Asian or Black or Hispanic. They may look white, but they have that same you know immigrant experience. They come up to you and they connect you on that level. Um, I think that's the most rewarding part because you know that's that's the story that we all have. You know, you know, Mm -hmm. having that feeling that you just you're different, and the only thing that connects you with the greater, you know, aspect is the idea that you're different. So, yeah. you know, it's that weird internal conflict that we all experience. Some of us, you know, just never get a chance to talk about it.
1: it it's it's interesting because there is um, almost a stereotypical uh, look at people who do comedy that, oh, you probably wouldn't be on the stage with the glamour. You want the whole world to listen to you in a microphone. And it's part of that too. I mean, you have a story, but like there really is something magical about, Giving yourself to the material, and then having someone be like, "You know what? You helped me alleviate the pain." Or I, I had a crappy day. I put on your stuff, and now my day is less crappy. Yeah. And it, 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 you can't do that in dollars and cents. And trust me, believe me, there ain't dollars and cents for a long time doing this. But when it, when it hits, it's like, man, I know, what, I know what I'm doing. Uh, was that a particular moment for me? Was that, was that show one? Was that two years in? Going, I feel it. Did, that, did you have that moment earlier in your career or later on?
0: Um, I think it was about, I would say five, six years in, I was in Cleveland, Ohio. I was there for the Cleveland Comedy Festival. Um, and I stayed at a hostel. I mean, it was the first time I ever stayed in the hostel. I usually stay in hotels, but the Cleveland hostel apparently is super nice. Oh, wow. uh, I am gonna give it a try, right? Cause you know, see how it goes. And I, I, I was in the same room um, with this gentleman from Italy and he didn't speak much English. He was an architecture student there for an exchange. And you know, and so, you know, through our way, of trying to communicate, me a lot of sign language. Um, yeah. He understood what I did, and you know, I understood what he did. And you know, even though we couldn't communicate very well, you know, there was just that level of, hey, um, we're doing the same thing. We're trying. It's the same struggle that we're experiencing and his name is Alejandro so um he came to his show and I kind of gave him a t-shirt I mean I don't think he understood much of the stuff were right. he didn't speak the language very well but he was so excited right he's never had this experience and then uh, I remember I you know I was like you know hey you want to go watch like a NBA like the Cavaliers games they just happened to be playing that one night um when we both had nothing so we did that and um you know and you know, I think he, I remember at the end of the night, because um, I was about to fly out the next morning, he's like, Ed, you know, would you remember me? Uh-huh. And I said, I was like, dude, I'm going to remember you for life, man. And until this very day, you know, I still, you know, at that moment, you know, we took a picture right on top of the stadium stairs and, you know, the Cavaliers warming up. You know, that's still one of my one of my most treasured photos that I have.
1: You guys take contact or it's kind of like a it was a moment.
0: No, he's on, I think he's on my Facebook, but his, his stuff is all Italian, so I can't, (laughs) I
1: I, I hear you, man. I was actually in Italy. I was DJing a wedding. This is my, my, my real day job. I DJ weddings uh, here, which is, I think, I say in quotes for those who can't see me, it's because it's nights and weekends. It's not a day job at all. But I, I went to Italy to do a wedding and I met the DJ there that was based, I was loaning his, his actual gear. Okay, I just had my laptop there. We became best of friends, but seriously, I must have war translate that out and just being like, how do I say "what up, homie" in Italian? So I totally get that, man. But it's cool you meet someone on that level because comedy music always cuts through like that sort of thing, you know. You got the skills or whatnot.
0: And that you know, the connection is the you know what connected was that human experience that we are you know we're we're both trying to fit in, um, coming from somewhere else. You know, yeah. and that, I think that's why, even though we didn't speak the language, you know, on a common level, we still understood each other, you know.
1: Do you feel as if you fit in where you are now?
0: Um, I mean, I think I know who I am, you know, identity-wise. I think that took a while for me to figure out who I am. Mm-hmm. Do I feel like I fit in? Um, I mean, that's that's not up to me, to be honest. Right. right. Um, you know, with everything that's going on right now, you know, with what happened in Atlanta, um, you know, just everything unfolding. You know, all the violence against Asians and you know against the Black community and Hispanic community. You know, I just remember when when I we moved here. You know, I think it was two weeks in, and my dad pulled me to the side. He's like, "Hey, you're gonna grow up. You're going to you're gonna speak the language. You're gonna be able to fit in culturally. Um, you're gonna you know make friends here." But I always remember one thing. And I was like, what's that? He's like, you will always have an Asian face. Remember that. Do not forget that. Because that, remembering that, might save your life one day. And then at that point, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, you old man, like, just learn the language. You'll be fine. <laughs> and then uh, now, you know, I'm older. I'm like, holy shit, that's what he's saying. Yeah. You Yeah. Know? that on on the inside you may you know you're you know you're you're adapted to whatever is around you but that perception from people sometimes that never changes you're gonna have to roll with the punches yeah um, I mean, just to stay alive yeah
1: do you feel? Like a responsibility to to adapt what's happening in the real world, and this is not a new thing. Unfortunately, this has been going on for a long time. Because, yeah. uh, but you do are, or you do work in humor. Is it a, a pressure there to transpose that for someone who may not understand what's going on to make that humorous, or is this something you kind of avoid with your own uh, comedy? How do you take things that are happening to you around that pressure and make it work for your art, if at all?
0: Yeah. So you know when I go into interview sometimes you know radio hosts kind of will ask, or, you know, podcasts or whatever it may be will ask me about white supremacy. And then, you know, one question that we say, hey, do you think I'm better than you? And a lot of these hosts are white hosts, right? right. No, that's not what I mean. You know, mm-hmm. what it is, what white supremacy is, is the idea of normalcy that, you know, white is considered to be normal. You know, you think movie stars, white, right? Doctors, white. Uh, you know, all these things are, that's the, that's the normal currency. And when you are considered the norm, you have supremacy because now whatever you do is considered to be, you know, what everyone does. Right. Like if I decide to go to a bus stop and started just putting, you know, raw catfish on my head, guess what? Everyone's gonna think, well, that's what Asian people do. They put catfish on their head. They're not gonna think it's just a guy who is you know, doing some weird stuff. Again, I think all Asians do that. And we're seeing that right now, you know, with the situation, you know, with that shooting is like, he's having a bad day. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there again, there's that diffusion of the responsibility because he's white, because that, that's the norm. He's just having a bad day. But if there's anybody else, he is responsible, for, and all of you in the community are responsible for what he did. True. So, you know, that, that is where the supremacy comes. So with my comedy, that's why I focus so much on, you know, this, the story that I have and, you know, the human conditions I experience. And really talk about, you know, issues with the Asian community through, a, you know, aspect of strength. That we do these things not because we're weird or we're different or we're strange, it's because we're trying to survive. We're full we're mm-hmm. of strength. We're trying to find a way to navigate through the hardship that's in our front, front of our face. And, you know, that's the way I'm hoping to present it because then hopefully, you know, that becomes the norm. You know, people see us as just everybody else and we become the norm and rather than, you know, this strange group of people that does weird things.
1: Well, we only do so much as individual creators. Uh, I guess a follow-up question. And again, I'm asking you this as, as also a person of color, creator of color, comedian of color as well. Uh, last year was uh, a watershed moment, Black Lives Matter, and not, not to do correlations or, or comparative nature of these, of these movements because frankly, tolerance should be compared. It should be by the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the question I have uh, for you as someone who is an artist is that do you feel that in this current environment, the, the pre-post pandemic, I can't say post, the during pandemic environment, that there might be some lasting change. Or is this just an episode of a much bigger, sadder show or a dramedy, if you will?
0: Um I mean change is difficult, right? Mm-hmm. So I think change is something that's that's you know, a lot of people want change just to be something like that and it stops. But the, the truth is change is an evolving thing. So, you know, as much as it seems like nothing is changing, I think things are definitely shifting. You know, we, we may not see the drastic change we like to see, but I think the, you know, the, the wave of progress, it is, you know, it is moving, you know, sometimes we feel like one step forward, two steps back. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, that's sometimes just the way how things work. You know, change is never linear. You know, it kind of, you know, shifts left and right, and you're going to have to re, re recenter where we're going. And as long as I think there's enough of us pushing, you know, collectively, you know, I think change will happen. So, yeah. you know, because I think sometimes we get so narrowed down one event or one tragedy, we feel as if, you know what, nothing has changed. But you kind of sometimes you have to zoom out a little bit, that we yeah. came a long way. There's still a lot of work to do. And we came a long way and both can be true.
1: What can allies do to help allies?
0: Um I
1: think in your opinion, not to speak for yeah. anyone in the group, but
0: yeah, I, I think a big part is to, you know, one one thing and you know, this is the new material I'm, I'm developing, is you know, we all have our own truths, you know, we're all living our own truths, and sometimes it's important, you know, to recognize that. That you know what I know may not be what you know, and because I think what's happening right now for um, a lot of us is we're imposing our truth on other people. True, and that's not these aren't facts. Like you can't impose something that's not a fact on somebody else. So I think the first step, you know, allies can do is to recognize what what's their truth, and what's other people's truths, because then we can have a dialogue. Then now we can talk, and now we can have a you know potentially reconciliation and resolution. Because the minute you impose your truth on me, there's no, there's no talking, because now you just want me to live your life, and that's not mm-hmm.
1: possible. I always find it funny or peculiar that uh, we're quick to say, you know, the way I was raised was this, the way I was raised is that, but then lament, why does anyone have common sense? And I was like, well, you can't be individual one side <laughs> and say there's a common upbringing on the other side, and that's a bit of a disconnect there. Um, but, uh, we're in the throes of 2021. Uh, I was wondering if those look, what looks like for you creatively on the horizon, family wise, like what seems to be the plan? What's next for Ed Hill?
0: Um, just trying to get the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, man, I'm hitting the lotteries like, like Vegas, like yo,
1: come on, come on AstraZeneca. No, Johnson, no, Moderna, please. <laughs> it's rough out there, man. <laughs>
0: This is the first time where my youth is not on my side. You know what I mean? Like, I know, man. Like I, I am, I'm i not, not essential as hell. Advantage. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. A,
1: I want to rent an old person. That's what I want to do. Um, <laughs> but I've been chilling my house, man, for that same reason. My parents finally got it. They all live in New York. They finally got it because they were just so miserable. You know, they were all like, I don't want to get it. What's the point of this? It's new. It comes too fast. I'm like. My, it's modern medicine. That's how it works. Uh, but they finally got the first shot. I'm happy for them. I wanted to see them. I Haven't seen them in two years. But here in Los Angeles, it's just been like denied, denied. <laughs> uh, but 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 2021. Any any things you want to do? Any books going to write? Any travel plans? Like what, what? Any material you're writing on? Like you can give us like a peek, maybe.
0: Um, I'm definitely developing. Um, I mean, my next hour. So I'm about 15, 20 minutes in, and um, I'm really shifting the focus you know, away from my parents and into me and then uh, me potentially starting my own family, um, you know, and then moving forward from there. Um, and then the one thing I really want to focus on really is my relationship um, with my mom, because I think a big part of it, you know, you know, from from my previous albums and the special, you know, definitely the, the focus is on my dad. And, but, but I would have that relationship with my dad, is because also because of the relationship I have with my mom, mm-hmm. and then that kind of translates to my relationship with women. And I think that's you know that's that's a bigger topic. You know, I like to talk about you know you know not as you know what women should be or <laughs> right. more what I am in relation to um, you know to you know what is it to be a man um, in today's world. Um, And also, you know, uh, there's a big challenge ahead of me because when I I got married, one of the um, agreement I made with my wife is there's no wife jokes. So I'm going to have to talk about, you know, being a husband without actually talking about her. Um, Right. So which is, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the challenge because there's a way to do it. Um, Sure. you know, it's.
1: Was that a formal agreement? Was it kind of like before you go outside to this club right now, (laughs) you got to talk or was it kind of understood? Like, how did that come about? Um, I mean,
0: there was no, we didn't sign a contract. <laughs> I need to know this. You know, it's, it was just a verbal agreement, you know, before we got married. And she's like, hey, you know, I, I agreed to marry you, but you know, just no wise jokes. And I was like, yeah, that's totally, yeah, makes sense. Because again, if I just when you know, oh, my wife does this, blah, blah, does that, I'm imposing my truth on her, and then then that I would be, I'd be a giant hypocrite, right? Mm-hmm. Is, but you know, I'm part of the equation. You know, it's two of us. True. so I can tell my side of story so that's what I'm hoping to do I mean it's gonna be tough because uh, you know it's you got to go in right you gotta go internal and trying to dig yeah. out all that pain and sometimes embarrassment and stuff like that so
1: so two questions I have for you then and one of them is kind of just me being curious and nosy because I'm in the same part of my career as well um, how has your process changed? Because there's no open mics. Or there there is, but there aren't as many as far as running stuff and seeing what works. And two, what does going deeper look like? I've been racking my head against the wall of what that means. Is it a personal question? Is it a kind of like a different thing I have to ask about what the world and what I'm seeing? How do I go deeper in my material?
0: Well, I think, you know... To answer your first question about testing material, I mean you gotta do what you can do. I mean, so it's mostly Zoom, right? right. <laughs> and, and you know, if there's an outdoor yeah. show, you do that stuff like yeah. that. You, you do what you can. Yeah. Um, is it as frequent as before? <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah. what can you do? Um, the how to go in, you know, this is one thing. Actually, my wife taught me. My wife hates comedy. Um, she, oh she, wow, that's a right. Yeah, so she doesn't watch comedy. She doesn't when when she watches movies. She watches like you know, romance, tragedy, stuff like that. But she laughs in real life though. She's yeah. like... she, she likes to cry in the movies. So, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so um, so obviously, I mean, obviously, I tell her my jokes, of course, right? So, right. but one thing she always asks me: she's like, "Ed, what does that mean to you?" And it always really annoys me. Like it pisses me off. So much. Because I'm like, who oh, okay. cares? It's just funny, right? Right, right, why right. Do you <laughs> care what it means. Yeah. Um, but then as the years went on, I'm starting to realize, okay, what she's trying to say is what what is where are you in the thing that you're trying to say? Mm-hmm. You know, because the audience are listening to you. And if you're just saying something that we can all think about, why are you saying it? There's no point in you saying it. Where are you in that aspect? And then if that's the case, then that first punchline is probably not gonna be the you know the best one. You kind of have to dig a little bit, you know, as to okay, what am I scared of? What am I trying to avoid? What is it, the emotion that I, that's attached to this thing I'm trying to talk about? And then you started you start to dig those things out. And it's it's tough, right? Because your first inclination is to protect yourself. You're like, I don't want to feel the shit. Right. Now. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, yeah. Like, this is really tough. You know, you, you're basically reconciling with yourself. Um, but, you know, I, with that process, I started to realize, you know, but then the laugh starts to change. People are not laughing at you. They're laughing with you because they have the same experience, but they mm-hmm. never had a chance of being able to verbalize it. They feel it, but they can't verbalize it. So, yeah. you know, that. I mean, that's the process. So it's, it's not easy. You know, it's definitely tough. Um, but, you know, I enjoy it enjoy doing it. Wow.
1: Dropping knowledge. Uh, And I have to ask you one cliche question out of my bag of cliche questions. I'm rustling the bag for those who can't see me. Um, What is one thing that you know now in that game that you wish you told yourself back then uh, when you started grabbing the mic the first couple times?
0: Um, I think back then I was just chasing laughs. You know, that's what we all do when we first start. Mm Mm-hmm. And right now I think if I knew this back then, you know, if I can convince myself back then to, right. um, you know, my my buddy Martin Moreau III in New York is a comic in New York he, he told me, like, you don't be the funniest guy in the room, Matt. You just gotta be the most interesting. So I think I think that's something I would, you know, if I can tell myself back then, is just be the most interesting because if you are interesting, that means you thought about it. You know, the material has gone through the gauntlet. You've gone gave them some process, some time. Cause sometimes you can be funny without even being mindful, right? Just say some just be funny. And I think we all know how to do that as comics. Um right. but to add another layer to that, that's that, you know, that's that's definitely the work.
1: That's definitely a light blank but moment. Uh I had something similar. I was like, Oh wait, it doesn't really matter. Because In fact, if you do too many jokes a minute, you become a hack, right? <laughs> you know, will take yeah. my wife, please. And yeah, that was the Cool thing, Ed. It's been a pleasure hanging with you. New Amsterdam radio. Now, I gotta ask you if I want to follow you, stalk you, hit up your clubhouse, hit up your OnlyFans. How do I do that right now?
0: OnlyFans,
1: hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: trying sure, to sure, figure out what I can um, like I'm missing all the right tools. <laughs> right, right, right. I'll send an ebook over. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my website is King Ed Hill, so K I N G Ed Hill um website kingedhill.com um i'm not a king i don't have any royal affiliation i'm not better than anybody else just when i started and again this is again just trying to be funny when you start this is the mistake you make there's a street in vancouver called king edward i thought it'd be hilarious if i put king in front of my name because people associate my name with king edward street and i quickly realized most people on this planet don't live in vancouver and now i just look like a pompous ass so,
1: if it makes it feel any better, I thought it was a play on words of the, of the cartoon, King of the Hill. I was like, yeah. oh, King of the Hill. All right, People cool. I saw
0: that too. So, I'm like, well, that's even worse because I don't even watch that cartoon.
1: So, this, Yeah, this means nothing, but you're not a pompous ass to me.
0: <laughs> Thank you. appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K N E W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours.